I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sound of that sitar can mean only one thing. We're only a few movies away from discussing Mike Myers' iconic film, The Love Guru. And the only way we can get through it is with all of you horny babies. Live. We're going to be discussing The Love Guru live. Our first live episode ever will be our discussion of The Love Guru. Cameron and I have never seen it before. And the honest truth there is we've been too scared to see it. The entire podcast is building up to this one point. The love guru is the key to the puzzle that is Mike Myers. You'll be the first to find out what our genuine reactions are to the love guru. I'm really worried that I will genuinely love it. And that's why we can't do it alone. We're doing a live episode at 3pm Sunday the 21st of May at the Chippo Hotel on Abercrombie Street in Chippendale, Sydney. Tickets are only 10 bucks, and all the links and information in the, sh- uh, in the show notes for this episode. So click on all of that, all of those hyperlinks. And as you know, that is when the Sydney Comedy Festival is happening. It's not part of it, but it's happening around it. So we will have some of the best Mike Chick heroes ever discussing the love guru with us live. So you got to be there. Horny babies, we're too afraid of the Myers curse to talk about this movie alone. So please pick up some tickets for $10 to see us and a bunch of My Chick Heroes discuss The Love Guru live at the Chippo Hotel on Sunday, May 21st. Blessed be, horny babies, and blessed be Mike Myers. It's my Chick! It's my Chick! The podcast by Mike Myers! Shrek, yes please. Hello, you're listening to another episode of Mike Check with Cameron James and Alexi Toliopoulos, the only podcast that goes through the entire filmed work of Mike Myers, our comedic hero. At the moment, where are we up to? We're up to Shrek part two. We've just done it. That voice you just heard is the voice of Cameron James. Hello, horny babies. Great to be in your ear holes again. It's nice. It's snug. It's tight. It's warm and it is wet the way I like it. Okay. <laughs> and my name is Alexi Teliopoulos and we are the boys that host the Mic Check podcast. Mm-hmm. And since we've been talking about the Shrek films of late, we thought it would only be fair if we look into the filmography of Mike's co-star from the Shrek movies. 
Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, one of the greatest comedians of all time. One of the greatest SNL... Featured Car- players. Featured players, cast members of all time, hosts of all time. He's he's an icon of comedy, and it would be crazy of us not to devote an entire episode to him. So, I know most of you, you're used to hearing us rave on about Mike, mm-hmm. but for this episode, please, we want you to sit back, chill out, and enjoy an entire episode about Eddie Murphy. An episode that we like to call, Murphy's Floor. Please enjoy. Hello, donkey babies. Welcome to another exciting edition of Murphy's Floor. The only podcast where myself, Cameron James, watch the entire filmography of Eddie Murphy's career to try and find a single flaw within his filmography. (laughs) And so far, it's flawless, baby! I'm a real Ed head, Mm -hmm. you guys know that about me. Uh, I love him, and I'm joined today by perhaps a new person to the Eddie Murphy canon, but, um, but you're familiar with him enough, I would say. I would say, I must agree. Ladies and gentlemen, it's from, uh, it's from, I'm calling you an it now. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, he is from uh, one of my favourite podcasts, Mike Check. Please welcome to the pod, Alexi Teleopolis. Hello, donkey dragon babies. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so that's appropriate for you. Because you have been watching the Shrek film franchise, I I have been, I have been. Yes, for my podcast, Mike Check, we go through the entire filmography of Mike Myers just to check... If it's good or not. Yeah, I'm familiar with the show. In fact, I'm on the show. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Quite regularly. And it's interesting that you've done your own little side venture here. Well, you know, I got a lot of free time. Mm. A lot of time to check out Murphy's stuff. And um, I've been really digging deep on the guy lately. But it's really nice that you've got me on as one of your first guests. Much like we did to Henry Stone when we started (laughs) Mike Check. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not offensive and insulting (laughs) and a little bit condescending at all. But So, thank you so much for giving up your time today. To watch this very special DVD with me. Yes, well, it was my DVD. I guess I had to. <laughs> yeah, I had to ask you if I could borrow it. Yeah. And then I had to, I guess, I ask said, if yeah, you would be on the show. Can I watch it with you? And I was like, fuck. Can I hang out for the next few hours okay, while we after it? fine. You can watch it with me as long as you help me analyze mm-hmm. it. And ladies and gentlemen, today, that DVD that we watched is SNL The Best of Eddie Murphy. Live from New York, it's the Eddie Murphy Show. Now that is an iconic line. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to see that line in this special. Yeah, can you tell the um, the donkey babies, donkey babies what, uh, what that line is? <laughs> so, uh, a little bit of backstory there. Eddie Murphy, famous actor from Dr. Doolittle, mm-hmm. Shrek's, Tower Heist, mm. um, Dream Goyles, yep. Norbert's. Norbert's. He, uh, 1,000 words. 1,000 <laughs> <laughs> Of course. I can't wait till I get up to that one. Yeah. It, you know what I can't wait? I can't wait to meet Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Another great one. Uh, Eddie Murphy started his career as a stand-up comedian yep. and a comedy character actor on famed variety show from New York, New York, Saturday Night Live. One might even call it New Nork, New Nork. Yeah, if you were, if you were buttweet, you would. Now, during Eddie's tenure, he began in season seven, I believe, mm-hmm. as a 19-year-old boy. At yes. the time, the youngest cast member ever 
to grace the halls yeah. of 30 Rockefeller Center. And the only other hall to beat him... Anthony Michael, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 1985, Anthony Michael Hall broke the record by being 17 years old while yeah. cast on the show. This is good comedy nerd fodder. <laughs> yeah, this is funny. Now, during uh, during his time on the show, Eddie Murphy became the biggest actor on the planet. Yeah, the biggest star in the world. I don't even know how we can compare it to anyone who's been on the show since because it hasn't mm. happened. We right? were talking about the closest that we've had to that is probably Mike. Mike, Myers. That's right. When Wayne's World came out, when Mike was still a cast mm-hmm. member, that would have been comparable. Yeah. And um, then probably more recently, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig with Bridesmaids is yeah. another another close one. I can't uh, think of anything else that's... I guess... Okay, to be fair, maybe the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, Kate McKinnon as well. Right that's now, probably Kate still. But still, that's the closest we get, but nothing touches the Murph dog. Nothing touches him. No one had been a bigger star than this young man mm. himself. So he actually was so famous that he's the only cast member who was graced with the honor of mm. hosting Saturday Night Live while still being a cast member on the show. Yeah, and it was because his co-star in 48 Hours, Mr. Nick Nolte, mm-hmm. probably was he wasted. Was, he was wasted. He was hung over. I think he had a, prob- a drinking yeah. problem. Yeah. And so what happens? They got Eddie to host the show. This was unprecedented. Mm-hmm. I believe all the other cast members were pretty annoyed mm-hmm. and disgusted by this. But they said, you know what? We, Eddie's a friend of ours. Let's support him yep. through this. You know, Little did they know, though, that Eddie had a plan of his own. Mm-hmm. During the cold open, our boy Ed decided not to say the famous line, live from New York, it's Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Instead, he said, live from New York, it's the Eddie Murphy Show. His career skyrocketed straight yeah. after that. They were all very annoyed at him, but can't argue with the guy. He became a success. A huge success, yeah. one might say. It's, in fact, you know, very not long after that, he was too big for the show. Mm-hmm. He had to go-go. And it's also interesting because... There's never been, like, especially watching these best of again and seeing mm. the tone of the sketches. Uh, I don't think this SNL has ever before nor since uh, had someone that the show itself has been shaped around. Yeah, you pointed that out a lot during our screening, and it is a screening, by mm-hmm. the way, when we view something. We treat it like a media screen. We fire up the projector. Yeah, fire we up the get, projector. We get those gears whirring, yeah. if you will. Sometimes I can't even hear what's mm. being projected over the sound of the whirring projector. And just the film falling to the ground, <laughs> piling up in a very dangerous manner. <laughs> we have um, fresh popcorn being popped the entire time right as well. Right next to also it. Also loud. Yeah. Very loud. <laughs> right next to the, to, the, to the pile of film that's being poured out of the projector. And then we have um, Fernando over there whipping up us mm-hmm. some cappuccinos the entire uh, yeah, time. Mate. Fernando, thank you. Just hold off that steaming for a minute. We're doing a podcast. Thanks, Fernando. And, uh, yeah, and he's whipping and frothing up milk, and it is loud. Yeah, I mean, I can very loud. Like, yes, a lot of loud elements going on. Yeah, it's um. Why do we do that to ourselves? Well, because we love to live a life of luxury, and we will have it nonetheless. <laughs> so, uh, but that's one of the things you pointed out to me during our screening was that this special, the best of Eddie Murphy, yep. feels like a like a pilot for a show that he was the center of. Well, that wasn't my words. Those are yours. I'm paraphrasing and Mm. I am 
perhaps improving upon. Okay. Well, I was just saying he wasn't playing with the other kids. Yeah, he certainly wasn't. It's it's a very Eddie-heavy show where yeah. there's very little of the other castmates in this thing. It's mainly just him doing monologues and there's a few other, you know, a few other of the cast members in there. One thing or you the said stars. was that it feels like a precursor to the Chappelle show. Yeah, it really does. Chappelle show, Key and Peele, where it's very current. Mm-hmm. It's uh, got... It's, it's a lot of social commentary mm-hmm. uh, based around race throughout the whole thing. And I mm-hmm. think it's... Um, it feels very alive. Like it's, it's, I think the sketches have aged quite well, especially on the top half with what he was trying to do and what he was trying to say about race. Absolutely. Now, I like to begin this podcast in a very unique way. I like mm-hmm. to ask my guests one simple question. Um, what is your relationship like with Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy, he's one of my heroes. He's one of my idols. Is <laughs> why I get out there and do my thing. Is that true? No, no not true. He's um, <laughs> but I've always admired him. He's always been one of the greats, in my opinion. Yeah, and like I think for most people that became interested in comedy and stand-up comedy, Raw and Delirious are probably the two first specials they ever saw. Now. Explain for someone like me, Mm -hmm. who doesn't really know much about stand-up comedy, what is Raw and Delirious? Well, Raw is Eddie Murphy's first stand-up special. Mm, I believe it's his second. It's his second. But I know nothing about stand-up. Is Delirious first? Yeah. Okay, yeah. But, you know, they're just stand-up specials like some kid made (laughs) made in his backyard, put them out in the world. Now, what is a stand-up special? Well, stand-up is a thing that's not that special. But every now and again, you go, well, isn't that special? (laughs) Uh, forgot I was sitting across from a Daniac. <laughs> yeah, I love Dana. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Covered it up. Yeah, it's real good. Um, yeah, Eddie was very young when he made those too. Mm. I think he was 22 when Delirious came out and like 27 when Raw came out. Oof. That's too young. Far too young. Too young to be able to speak into it's a microphone. It's so scary. Just sometimes there's some dudes you can't compare yourself to. Eddie Murphy had left SNL younger than I am now. Yeah. He'd come and gone. And by the time he was my age, I think he'd already begun to start to put flops out. He'd started to decline. Yeah. I think I think another 48 hours was coming out around about the time he was 29, 30. Oh, my God. Yeah, so he, he'd already sort of been at the top and was on his way down until, of course, the Dr. Doolittle franchise and the yep. Shrek franchise Daddy revived Day him for a new generation of youngsters. Mm. What is your uh, relationship with Ed? Now, I probably would have first been introduced to Eddie Murphy through, perhaps it was the film Bowfinger, Mm -hmm. which um, is a classic, I think. I think it's one that I'm really looking forward to talking about on this podcast. It's maybe a high point in the middle of a plateau of Eddie's career. Um, he played multiple characters, but there were subtle characters. He got to do funny shit. He got to do some dramatic shit. I loved the guy. What mm. can I tell you? Then I went back and watched uh, all his like, Coming to America was on TV a lot back then, Trading Places as well. Uh, when I got into stand-up, I watched Delirious and Raw. I was lying to you earlier. I were familiar with those mm-hmm. things. You hadn't seen them until you were already tripping the boards? No, no, no. God, no. I think yeah. when I was interested in stand-up. Yeah. You know, um, so, probably from the age of six. I've always loved stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think this was my first introduction to Eddie Murphy. This very Best of Saturday Night Live DVD. Wow. This is what I got. I can't remember if I knew him before that. 
Hmm. And um, I and there's there's stuff in this. When we get to the sketches, I'll talk about it more. But there's stuff in this, like the way that he sings some songs, have been stuck in my head for like. 15 years. Well, there's iconic moments in this that I think have become touchstones for his entire career. And mm-hmm. perhaps this is something you can relate to, my dear boy. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Touchstones that also take place in the Shrek universe. Yeah. The singing, for example. Mm-hmm. The high energy, for example. Mm-hmm. And the annoyingness. For example. For example. Let's just get into it, dude. What do you reckon? Let's get into it. This is the best of Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live. Welcome to Saturday Night Live's celebration of the outrageous humor of Eddie Murphy. For four seasons, Saturday Night Live sizzled with Murphy's irrepressible comic talent. Now, SNL's producers invite you to laugh along with Eddie Murphy originals, including Mr. Robinson, Little Richard Simmons, Buckwheat, Velvet Jones, Gumby, and Dion Dion. Now, one thing I like about that synopsis is that it says, SNL's producers invite you to laugh along with mm. Eddie Murphy. That's It adds a personal touch. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nice to know that, like, Lorne... Well, it might not have been Lorne. Well, this was not Lorne era. Mm. This was Gene Dumanian. But, uh, you know, you'd assume that Lorne has the rights to this DVD. Although I've noticed... Oh, no, it is a Broadway video DVD. So they go, Lorne, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity yeah. to laugh along with Eddie Murphy. And this kicks off with a bang, I would yes, say. Yes, dudes. It starts off with... Is the first sketch Buckwheat? Yeah, the first sketch is Buckwheat Sings. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's one that's always in best ofs. It can't not be. It's a hilarious sketch. And it's just... just It's a mid-shot of Eddie the whole time. Yeah. Just on screen. Yeah. So who is Buckwheat? Buckwheat was one of the Little Rascals, Mm -hmm. and I am too young for the Little Rascals, but I am not too young for the Penelope Spheris film, The Little Rascals. Neither am I. Yeah. And it stars our President Donald Trump. (laughs) Really? He's in it. He plays himself in it. He plays the dad of the bad rich kids. I'd love to know if there's a movie where Donald Trump doesn't play Donald Trump. Um, hmm. Because it seems like... He's always a Trump-esque figure. Yeah, he's always Trump-esque. Well, you've got to do a podcast about that. Hmm. Trump and our own horns. Where you see Donald Trump is in movies and horny. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, that buckwheat sketch. Now, you, you said something uh, during the the airing of it at our screening mm. earlier on. I had to... I, I had to. Hey guys, stop, to the, stop the press, guys! The printing press must turn off. I need to hear what this boy has to yeah, say. Oh, we didn't explain earlier. We do have a printing press yeah. which prints up just transcripts of the things that we're reading yeah. right now. This is all scripted. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is improvised on this show. Uh, I said, Alexi, can you please repeat that because I couldn't hear you mm-hmm. the first time. And you said this is either the best or worst premise for a sketch ever. Yeah. And I want to. I want you to defend that. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, because the premise is a guy sings, but he can't talk, <laughs> <laughs> and that's so simple. It's like all there's no jokes. Yeah. There's not a single joke in this. It's just he sings songs, but he can't speak well. So it's always <laughs> like, ooh, Ebenab, my Ebenab. That is a good impression. It's very funny. That's all of these, those songs have been in my head for 15 years of my entire life. In the barber of the bell, bigger. 
And the, the, my favourite one is the Betty Davis eyes when he sings that, but usually the title comes up as he's singing the songs, yeah. but uh, it's in the buckwheat language. But for the Betty Davis eyes, just question marks come up. He was like, Dabba, Dabba, down in the dust, you say, Ebby, da." See, I think it's a brilliant premise for it's a sketch. So, I think it's brilliant, but it's so simple. That's why it's so funny. Yeah. It's weird that this is maybe one of his more famous characters from the show because yeah. it seemed to have such a... Like, the shelf life is so small for something like this. It's a direct parody of a character from a TV show that was already well and truly was it over. a TV show or was it, like, Well, they movies? were shorts. shorts. They, were like, they were shorts, I guess, yeah. From, like, the 30s and 40s or yeah, something. Yeah, so this is 40 years after those things mm. were already dead. Who would remember them? And the guy that played Buckwheat died a year, like a, two or three years before this happened. <sighs> so we, we tragically lost <laughs> Buckwheat. We tragically lost the guy that played Buckwheat. This is actually a blow to me <laughs> that I didn't expect to feel during this podcast. Mm, unfortunately, you did. Jeez uh, Louise. But anyway, yeah, so how it doesn't really hold up as like a... Mm, like a sketch, I guess, but it just holds up in as far as a performance. Yeah. Because he's so funny and charming. And like you said, it's a single locked off mid shot of Eddie for the entire time, just singing in this made up mm. kind of bullshit language. And um, <laughs> look, it made me laugh. It made me cackle. It was so funny. And it's the beginning of a trend that we will notice throughout this entire mm. DVD. And that trend is Eddie Murphy often by himself in these sketches. Yeah. And I think, um, for me, just from the start, we see the little baby Buckwheat, the actual actor playing him. Mm. We see the his headshot, and then it fades into Eddie Murphy trying to recreate the headshot <laughs> as an adorable adult. Is just That's when you go, like, this guy's got it. That little glimmer in his eye, his perfect smile, yeah. is just straight away from there, like, this guy has got the undefinable quality. Oh, that's our Ed. That maketh a star. Yeah, absolutely. And then we will launch right into the monologue from mm-hmm. that. And this monologue is from not the time he hosted when he was a cast member, but a few years after he'd left, mm-hmm. or a year or so after he yeah. left. He left on bad terms. He thought he was too big for the show now. He'd had a little bit of a hitch in his career, so he came back to host mm. the show. What did you think of his monologue? Uh, it was pretty funny. I liked how relaxed it was, how it was just him talking. Like, it wasn't a routine at all. There was just no. some funny things in it. But it was just basically talking about what the situation was. And it really reminded me of the SNL 40 appearance of Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. where the Chris Rock comes out and introduces him, saying, like, how he was, how he defined a generation of comedy through his work on SNL. And then they show, like, a little clip reel of him. And then he just comes out and says, thank you. And it's like, can we cut to the break? Really weird. Really weird. But it's just it, the same kind of thing where it's just him talking. There is some funny stuff in it. Like, he wasn't even being particularly funny on the SNL 40. But I think the way that he tried to throw the commercial was funny. And it did feel <laughs> intended. But um, I think it's the, that same kind of thing where it's just a relaxed dude oh, who is funny. So, do you think that during that SNL 40 thing, he was kind of being deliberately awkward? Like, that was the joke. That he got yeah, hyped up end. heaps and then... He kind of had nothing. That's the way and I've always thought joke. of it is that he just says thank you and maybe he wanted he was meant to do a bit of patter, but the way that he cuts the commercial I think is funny and intentional. Wow, I never really read it like that. I just you know the full context of that? You've read that or heard the story? Yeah, about the Cosby thing. Yeah. So for the I'm sure Donkey Babies out there mm. already know this story, but Eddie was originally slated to play Bill Cosby in a sketch 
in a Jeopardy sketch, I believe, Celebrity mm. Jeopardy, where he was, you know, it was kind of playing on the news at the time. This is before it was all but confirmed that Eddie, mm. uh, that Bill Cosby was a monster. Mm. But um, it was playing on the news at the time that he had several accusations against him at this point. And Eddie Murphy didn't want to do that because he thought, I believe in his words, he said, I don't want to kick a man when he's down. And they ended up doing the sketch with Keenan Thompson. Mm. So Eddie pretty much had nothing to do. It was all very last minute. And then I, my impression of it was that he actually just was underprepared and had nothing to do. Mm. And it was awkward and fucked up. Mm. But if you think uh, that's actually a good reading, maybe it was a deliberate, they were trying to play up the sort of like the king is back and then the king comes and he has nothing. Yeah. I think it was unprepared, underprepared, but I think he was like, it wasn't like he did think that they were going to cut to break. I thought he was mucking around. Well, maybe you've just made me reconsider Mm. something I'd previously classed as one of Murphy's flaws. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of this monologue here? I think it's, yeah, you've, you've covered it pretty well. I think it's not really funny. It has funny and charming moments. He's very charismatic, but it's interesting in that it's monologues you see now, celebrity monologues especially, are so produced. Mm. They're so written. Almost every line is a joke. Um, cast members will often come out and engage with a celebrity. In this case, Eddie comes out. It seems like he's just talking off the top of his head. Mm. It doesn't seem scripted. He kind of explains how he left the show on bad terms and how he had to come back. He gets a few jokes in there at his own expense, which I think are very good. But the whole time I was watching it thinking, why did they include this in the mm. best of? It's not It's not a awesome monologue. In fact, the one from the show he hosted is an incredible monologue. Mm. He, it's stand-up. He basically awesome. just comes out and does five minutes of stand-up and it's a really great routine. And what is stand-up? Stand-up... Look, it's sometimes it's not special, mm-hmm. but other times you watch it and you go, hmm, isn't that special? Cool. Mm. It sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. And he, but he said something in this monologue that you thought applied to the concept of SNL best of and just SNL in general very well. Yeah. He, it's a really great little riff. It doesn't seem scripted. He says something like, hey guys, just letting you know. This isn't all going to be funny. There will be a couple of sketches on here that you watch and go, oh, that's not very good. But don't worry, because the be- the better stuff will outweigh the worse stuff. And it just seems like an off-the-cuff thing that a cocky celebrity might say, kind mm. of dismissing his own old show. But after watching this entire 90-minute special, it applies to this DVD. Just like Pammy Anderson, it's top-heavy. <laughs> it's very top-heavy. <laughs> the first hour is really good, but yeah. that last half hour drags. Same way as the Mike Myers one yeah, drags for sure. as well. Because like, it's almost like all... Like, they've structured it like a real SNL episode. Yeah. Where all the surreal, weird stuff is right at the very end. Yeah. So, it's kind of like you're used to all these fast-paced, silly jokes. And then at the end, you're just like, whoa, this is weird. But in the Mike Myers one, I liked all that stuff a lot more. And then the more higher concept ones at the end of the Eddie Murphy one, they may have been flawed for me. <sighs> You know, I think you're right. There were some clear flaws Mm. in this, but there are some clear highlights as well Mm. that, you know, outshine the flaws. Mm. And one of the first highlights I'd like to get to is White Like Me, Mm -hmm. a famous and iconic SNL short film. It would be one of the top five most iconic SNL sketches, I must say. People often compare it to, favorably, the Richard Pryor, Chevy Chase uh, word association sketch from a few years earlier 
where Chevy and Richard trade um, racial slurs mm. against each other. People often compare it to the cork soakers, uh, Jimmy Fallon and Horatio Sands, and it's starring Janet Jackson sketch from probably 20 years later. No, they do not. <laughs> Imagine anyone comparing cork. Hey, cork soakers is a great sketch because of how bad it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those ones. It's one of those ones where it's so funny mainly to talk about yeah. than it is to watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Janet Jackson's so funny in it. Yeah, she's an iconic... Uh, and also, she's a friend of Ed's. Yeah. And a friend of Ed's is a friend of mine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this one is... You know, everyone knows it. And it's it's hard not to look at it as an iconic piece mm. of kind of comedy short film. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Film anyway, like I tried to watch it as if I'd never seen it before and as if this was 1985 or whatever mm. and I was watching it for the first time. I couldn't do it because mm. it is, it has, and you said this as well, it has kind of changed comedy forever, yeah. this sketch. Was yeah. it, that was one of the ones we were watching, like this is the precursor to Dave Chappelle's yeah. whole sense of humor. Absolutely. It's all about racial tension and the divide mm. and... You know, you also compared it to Key and Peele. It totally is. It's mm. just a full committed character piece that is f- takes a format, it takes a documentary format or like a PBS special format and really commits to it. Mm. It doesn't really wink at all. It's played pretty straight. And this, for those of you who don't know, this is the sketch where Eddie Murphy puts on white face and disguises himself as a Caucasian male named mm. Mr. White and goes out into the world and experiences what life is like as a white person. Yeah. And boy, is he in for a shock. Yeah. It heightens everything. We must say, this stuff doesn't happen to us out well, there. Well, it happens to some... It happens Wait, to me. what? Yeah, every time I'm on a bus and there's only white people around, we all just get free champagne. Mediterraneans don't get it the same way that real Caucasians <laughs> no, 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 get no. it? No, you guys aren't really white. Oh, God. You I got, always suspected as such. You have that always olive suspected. skin. Yes, are very tender. Yeah, tender. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I meant. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, no, it's a great sketch. I think it's really funny. And it is interesting to watch it now and go, oh, this is where the kind of Chappelle, Cam Peel format came from, mm. of doing a long-form character Documentary sketch. as well. Yeah. Especially Chappelle's show uses so much documentary-style uh, mockumentary type stuff as comedy. Now, what is a mockumentary? Mockumentary is like a documentary, but it's funny and made up. Okay, and is that different in any way to a rockumentary? Extremely different. Rockumentary is what Penelope Spheris does, baby. Rock and roll, documentary. Okay. <laughs> What's a shockumentary? Um, shockumentary, it's designed to shock. And there are also documentaries about a little sex move called the shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Now, can you just explain to the donkey babies what the shocker is? The shocker, it's like when um, when you say live long and prosper, but okay. from the Star Trek universe. Yeah. But they're not just pointing up, they're pointing up and in. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now this, I got to try. <laughs> okay. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. What's up next? Uh, up next is a sketch, another iconic mm-hmm. one. James Brown's Celebrity Hot Tub. This... I hesitate to call it a sketch. Yeah, what is this? Because it's... it's <laughs> well, it is a sketch. It's a sketch, and it's very funny. Yeah. But I don't know if there's jokes in it at all. Well, no, of course not. It's interesting. A lot of these sketches, especially the top half, seem to be um, like things that you could imagine existing now, but not for a live audience. Mm. They seem like things that would be produced and kind of shot in that absolutely Tim and Eric style yeah. way, where it's all one joke being extended out or a kind of anti-joke premise. I can't even imagine being an audience member for this hot tub sketch and you just the whole time you're going, when is this sketch going to start? Yeah. Because that is the whole sketch. The whole thing is... It's a setup to something. It's just Eddie Murphy playing James Brown with a full band singing and then he hops in a hot tub and then he interviews celebrities, but we don't even see that. I think the joke is... That this is a real talk show, but you don't see the talk show. It's all just a big setup of him about to get in the hot tub and then retreating from it in fear and singing about it the entire time mm. about how he's going to get in the hot tub. Yeah. And that, that seems like that would be like a Tim and Eric thing. And it's the joke crazy. is there's Dr. Joyce Brothers in the hot tub with him. It's just a Photoshop <laughs> of him and her in the hot tub naked. And at this point... We have four sketches in, mm-hmm. and so far we have seen Eddie Murphy interact with no other no one cast else, members. no other cast members. How interesting is that to you? Very. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate? Uh, I think it is really interesting because uh, when we looked at who the cast members were at this time, mm-hmm. there was three that we'd heard of: mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy, Julia Louis Dreyfus, mm-hmm. and Joe Piscopo. Mm. And Julie Louis-Dreyfus is not remembered as an SNL cast member. No. That's not how we know her. The I didn't V even, herself. I didn't even think I've ever seen her on an SNL skit unless she was hosting in modern times. I don't think I ever have. And Joe Piscopo... The Italian Stallion. Yeah, people don't know who the Italian Stallion is anymore, <laughs> Joe Piscopo. I mean, I only know him from this DVD, having watched it as a kid. And I thought Joe Piscopo was really cool because I saw one of my blokes up there. You know, nice Italo, <laughs> Italo-Mediterranean boy up there uh-huh. playing Sinatra and stuff. I'm uh-huh. like, that is my kind of thing. Yeah, because you identify as a... Can I say it? No. Can I spell it out? Yeah. W O G G G O M G W O G. That's my new show, and uh, yeah, that's what you know. That's my thing. I and see you, those guys. Fa- your your kind, 
Mm-hmm. Famously look for themselves <laughs> Yes, on we look out for ourselves We need someone to connect with <laughs> You go, oh, I can't relate to anyone in this And then, you know, next thing you know Big Fat Greek Wedding comes on You're You like, go, now fine. this I can get Now this I like Yeah, and other films that you like Probably The Godfather Yeah, really trilogy. funny um, The W.O.G. Boy Yeah, and it's The King of Mykonos, the second Yeah, what are some other things that you like? Um, Looking for Ella Brandy Yep Yep, yep. Pizza, mm-hmm. the food, and the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can understand why Joe Piscopo was kind of cool to you as a young man, and cool to a lot of people as well. Mm. But um, yeah, doesn't really have a much of a post SNL career. No, bit of a shame. No, nah, but oh the well. first time <laughs> we see uh, Eddie interact with anyone is actually with Joe Piscopo. And they're the only he's the only thing person we do see interact with for the most part. That's true. The first one is a Stevie Wonder sketch. Yeah. With uh, Eddie playing Stevie and Joe playing Frank. Sinatra. Yeah. I mean I call him I call him Francis Albert. Hey, let's be honest. It's Frank. <laughs> old I, blue eyes. Old two eyes. <laughs> Hey, well, he was one of the only ones that did have two eyes in that gang. That's true. Yeah, Sammy, <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. You can't call him old two eyes. <laughs> no, no, you can call him old Jew-Eye. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think I can get away with that. Why? I don't know. Because I think it's cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's an interesting sketch, this one. The Stevie Wonder and Sinatra one. It sort of seems like... The studio audience aren't that into it, mm. but we were loving it. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're playing off each other. It's quite nice. It's a shame that it was never explored in a film or anything, as far as I know. Well, according to the Piscopo himself, mm. he believes that his and Eddie's partnership was undercut by the SNL producer at the time, Gene Dumanian. Really? Yes. He believes that... They were being slated or set up to be the next, you know, Belushi and Aykroyd. Mm. They were going to be spinning off into films together. But as Eddie's star rose, Eddie's favor in the show grew and Joe was kind of pushed out. And you can see that happening throughout the chronology of this DVD. By the end, Joe Piscopo is essentially just playing Eddie's sidekick Mm. in in sketches rather than like an equal. How funny would this have been as a movie if they just like, you know how, especially stuff like Walk Hard, where they would make just a really silly movie. If they just had Eddie Murphy as Stevie Wonder mm-hmm. and Joe Piscopo as Frank Sinatra, if that was like a biopic that existed somewhere. That would be cool. Yeah. Why did they get him for the night they called it a day? Why did they get Dennis Hopper to play <laughs> Old Blue Eyes? Yeah. Yeah, Australian film industry. Why did you get... The guy from Speed, when you could have had the guy that I think sells Speed now. <laughs> we can hear all about it on my podcast, The Pissing Pask. Oh, God. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, I think it's a funny sketch, but I think, yeah, the audience weren't that into it. At this mm. point, Stevie's, the character of Stevie Wonder is something Eddie had been doing for a little while, and it sort of is an iconic impression. Yeah, and it's an impression that doesn't have very many jokes to it. No, it's just a really good impression. A dead-on impression with a beautiful voice. Yeah. It's that's the thing with Eddie. I think he's um when he sings, it's never joke singing. Yeah. It's never like the way Mike would do songs. Yeah. Where he's kind of hammering like, what's it up. Pussy like, what's pussycat? <laughs> yeah, he's singing My Girl Likes to Party All the Time. Yeah. Eddie really wants to be a singer. Yeah. And so this character and whenever he did Michael Jackson and his stand up mm-hmm. as well, 
It is an, as an excuse to show off his voice. Yeah. There's no joke to it. And I think Piscopo has all the jokes and it's funny because he's just a thug. He plays yeah. Sinatra as a thug and I think that's that's good. How he's just got no tact when he's singing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, quite a delicate song, Ebony and Ivory, but yeah. he just keeps on throwing in like he wants to change it to <laughs> life's an Eskimo pie. Let's take a bite. Yeah. You are black and I am white. Life's an Eskimo pie. Let's take a bite. Now that's funny. I think it's great. I laughed a lot, but I, you know, I love I love Francis Albert. What can mm. I say? So maybe it was lost on the people that weren't really big fans. Yeah, like us, true fans of Frank, we are true Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra fans. We're always smoking. We're always cooking gravy. Yeah. Oh, Maroon. I mean, <laughs> we we should do our spin-off podcast. Let's be frank. We should. Yeah. Where we each take turns <laughs> doing impressions of Frank Sinatra and eating Franks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's up next on the pods? <laughs> Black History Minute. Funny. That was a funny sketch. Yeah. I laughed a lot at that. It's a very short sketch, but I think this is why I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think I liked it because Eddie is breaking throughout this entire thing. Much in a corksoakers fashion, yeah. I would say. Or not so much corksoakers because... He's playing a character who is... He's just talking straight to camera, mm-hmm. talking about a moment in black history. He's talking about uh, George Washington Carver inventing peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And it's very straight. But the thing that's funny about it is when the audience is laughing, he calls him out. Eddie's the only guy that's riffed on SNL. Him and Adrian Brody are the two guys that have riffed, <laughs> that have riffed on SNL. In both very racially charged <laughs> yeah, ways. Exactly. As well. Now, I think that's interesting. You raise a good point there. There aren't any jokes to this bit. Um, yeah. I mean, he he is sort of just reciting a bit of history. And, and it's written in a funny manner. Like the, yeah. you know, it, but it's not, a, there's no punchlines. It's just written funny and it allows him to do multiple characters as one guy sitting in a chair. He's performing as a sort of, um, in that sort of really 80s kind of African-American way where mm. there's, it's a little bit aggressive mm. and it's kind of like, claiming roots and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And it's it's I think it's it's a character, I guess. But it's not funny until he starts riffing, I think. Yeah. Like I was kind of watching, like, oh yeah, this is I can see what this is. But he stumbles on a word, he dares the audience. Like he's yeah. actually him talking to the audience and acknowledges that they're there. Hiding behind a character. But yeah, yeah, he stumbles on a word and they laugh and he dares them to keep laughing in a very aggressive way. Yeah. And then later on, someone laughs again after he said something and he yells, shut up at them. Yeah. And that gets a huge laugh. Yeah. And that's so funny. It's very, very funny. And it's weird to see this sketch and go, I can't believe this happened in the 80s. Yeah. Like, it seems very experimental and someone... But I think it's just because he is one of the true, true, true live performers of Saturday Night Live. Like, he was, yeah. a, you know, a club kid doing clubs... Uh, doing stand-up comedy in clubs, so he knows now, what it's like to what play. what is stand-up comedy? It's when you talk funny in front of people and they hopefully they get a couple of laughs up there <laughs> to make you feel good. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And it brought something to mind to me about SNL, and we are kind of talking about a little bit off-mic. Yes, guys, we do talk mm. off-mic sometimes. Very rarely. This whole episode's off-mic. That's true, it's off-mic check. <laughs> uh, we, we were talking about how this, this format, this live show format that SNL has stuck to for 40 years 
is kind of irrelevant now, even though the show itself is more topical and relevant. Yeah, than more ever. socially relevant than ever. I mean, the president does recaps, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's not just the Huff Po anymore. The Prez is doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I follow the AV Club and Trump just for the SNL mm. recaps. Yeah. But um, the format of a live show is sort of dead now and irrelevant. The spectacle of doing a live show, especially nowadays, if there's a buzzed over sketch or if it's Alec Baldwin doing Trump or. Mm. Uh, Kate McKinnon, you know, doing anything, essentially. It's always the next day when the clips are being shared around that people kind of tune in and start to talk about it and get buzz. And the most shared thing in the last couple of weeks was Kate McKinnon changing costumes and makeup from one sketch to another. Yeah. And that is more about the spectacle of how a show like this gets put together. Yeah. Because it is impressive that they do put on Saturday Night Live, but the product is not as exciting as seeing, like, you know, some really powerfully filmed sketches that have been rehearsed so yeah. much together and put really delicately together. Because yeah. it just doesn't, it's just not as exciting as well, seeing just, stuff I like that. I think nowadays now. production is king when it comes to sketch comedy. Mm. And I think I've, re- I've referenced Tim and Eric a lot, but the absolutely guys really did absolutely change the way that people view sketch comedy Mm. now. People want editing to be a part of the humor. Um, But I think what was interesting is that this time, in the 80s, when Eddie was on this show, there was no shareability. There was no, you know, like Mm. YouTube or there weren't many prepackaged sketch shows. The, The thing about SNL that made it special was watching it live and the buzz of seeing something on your TV screen that was happening now in mm. New York City. So I imagine that Eddie riffing with the audience, telling them to shut up and kind of like mm. breaking a little bit just must have felt so fucking rock and roll. Let's talk about more of those sketches while we're here. Just yeah, otherwise we'll be here for another two hours talking about Eddie Murphy's <laughs> best of. But uh, the little Richard Simmons is another yeah, one that that's does that one. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a sketch that in name, it's it all it is is two funny names put together where two mm. humongous p- personalities of popular culture are entwined to become one. Little Richards, who is an icon of rock and roll that we've talked about on my check before. And maybe, perhaps, one of the most horny people. He's probably the horniest dude in history, I would say, Little Richard. He's yeah. cool. Read his about his sexuality on Wikipedia. It's a great read. It's only three or four paragraphs long. But that's a long thing for one section of a Wikipedia article. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and also morphed in with... Uh, Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. Famous workout king. Yeah. And it's funny. It's basically... This is one of the ones I've had stuck in my head my entire life. Yeah. There's a... It's basically Eddie Murphy as Little Richard Simmons who is... I don't know how to describe him. I was going to say a camp Richard Simmons, but he Richard Simmons is very already camp. camp. It's just and it's also just black Richard so Simmons. So is little Richard. They're yeah. both very camp. It's just yeah, they're not too dissimilar, but it's just Eddie realizing that he can merge both of these characters together. And I think for me, it's the setup to the sketch that's funnier than the actual mm. sketch itself. So yeah. the setup is Eddie as little Richard Simmons. He goes out into the crowd. He makes the entire audience at 8H stand mm. up and clap along with him. He's riffing with people in the audience. And then the sketch is basically a workout routine set to Tutti Frutti or yeah. like a medley of Little yeah. Richard songs. There's good golly Miss Molly, Tutti Frutti. Yeah. And the one that's been stuck in my head for my whole life is Tutti Frutti, oh Rudy. Tutti Frutti, oh Rudy. Tutti Frutti, oh Rudy. Tutti Frutti, oh Rudy. She got blubber to the east, blubber to the west. The bitch got long and flappy, best tutti frutti. <laughs> oh, Rudy. I've had it stuck in my head for my entire life. You love it. It's what I, it's my workout mix. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but I think for me, it's all that stuff up the top that it made it good. Like seeing him oh, interact sure. with an audience, seeing the camera have to follow him as he goes into a crowd. He's making fun of the fat camera guys. Yeah, he's riffing with the crew. I reckon if I was watching this live back in the day, I would have been like, this dude is a goddamn star. Let's yes. put him in a movie with Nick Nolte. <laughs> I think it's this. That's one of my favorite sketches in it because it's like it's a bit dated in the humor of it all. But just seeing SNL be emphasis on the L live yes, is cool. Absolutely. Can I tell you what my one of my favorite sketches mm-hmm. is? Uh, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. Yes. And this is a sketch that you remarked upon. In fact, I think this is the moment that you said, "Oh, this feels like Chappelle's show." Yeah. It's just watching. Eddie do a character for like five minutes and it's all about him and it's all about his performance. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a parody, I guess. Yeah, it's just uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but in a black neighborhood. Yeah. Got some great stuff in there. It's like a, every almost every set piece of that sketch is kind of famous mm. in a way. Like him answering the phone, answering the door, talking to the crowd, like talking to as if they're kids at home, yeah. playing the drums. Man, it's great. I think that's one of my highlights. Yeah. And it does feel like you're watching the beginnings of what would become Chappelle's show, really. Like, just straight-to-camera stuff that's really funny and silly. What's your lowest point? What would you say My is Murphy's point? flaw? Murphy's flaw for me... Um, I'm trying to think. There's a few on here that I just don't care for anymore. Like, I think Gumby, Merry Christmas, damn it, as Gumby... Mm. Did nothing for me. I just don't get Gumby as a character for Eddie Murphy. Mm. I used to watch Gumby as a kid. I don't remember if he had a voice or not. So I don't I know anything. I can't remember anything about Gumby. It was just too dated for you, man. Yeah, a bit too dated. And I just don't get the character, like what he's doing there. I think I know it's a popular character. Yeah, I think what it is is just that it was kind of cool and shocking or whatever to see a children's character who said, damn it. Mm. I think that I didn't care for that. There was also. I must say the career corner with Christopher Guest as the oh, host. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, he plays Bishop Desmond Tutu and uh, the big football prize, he accidentally breaks it and he tries to repair it the whole episode. Yeah. And um, I think him as Bishop Desmond Tutu is funny, but the sketch doesn't hold enough water for me anymore. No. I think um, what we've stumbled upon here, and I'll, I'll say those two were two of my weaker moments and also perhaps Murphy's biggest flaw on this special is the Buckwet is dead mm. thing that goes for minutes, like 20 10, minutes, 10, 20 minutes. It's a bulk of this DVD. It's so long. And the, the joke is that it's a 24 hour news cycle report that keeps showing the same footage of Buckwheat being shot mm. over and over again because there's no more footage. Mm. And it goes on forever. And it's based on reality. I guess so. It it's, feels like it's parodying what? Like- I can't remember what it is. It's the it's an assassination. I think it might have been Bobby Kennedy. Okay. When yeah. he's assassinated and it's then the his assassin becomes famous and then the assassin is killed. Yeah, yeah. Is that Bobby Kennedy or is that Man I can't remember what it is, I but it's that famous think. photo of yeah, the guy going Yeah. No, that's great podcast material right there. Oh, what is it? Do you know what that photo boy. is? No nah, man. <laughs> I know, I know the buckwheat version. Mm. I think, yeah, it's it's a flaw, and I think what we've got to notice here is that Eddie set us up right from the top that there will be flaws in this DVD. Mm. He said some of these things will be funny, others will not be, and that's why I can forgive him for this. I think I can forgive him too. 
What can you not forgive him for? <sighs> what can I not forgive him for? Um, you know what? For quitting SNL. Yeah, he should still be on there. I think he should still be. <laughs> <laughs> he should still be doing it, dude. It's just, it's the perfect format for the guy. And he keeps going on about how he's sort of potentially going to get back into comedy, back into stand-up, that sort of thing. If that's the case, you know, just rejoin the cast of SNL now. Come back. I think you'd be really great on there. You could reprise some of these characters. You could come up with some all new characters. Ed, I bet you've seen a lot in the last few years. I would love to know what you what you got going on, what you got cooking. Me too. I'm just trying to find out who that assassination thing was. Oh, who cares? Oh, it's Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, that famous guy. Yeah. Oh, God. Is this a, it's it's after the po- the picture of it. Oh right 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 yeah. right right. Well, may I just say, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll accept that. Um, what other sketches should we talk about? Are there any other ones that are interesting to you? Um, look, the whole thing was interesting to me. I don't know if I want to go into any more detail on the sketches because, like we said, it was too top-heavy. I just have some notes for mm-hmm. the producers yeah. who very graciously invited us to laugh along with this DVD. Maybe trim it down to 60 minutes yeah. for the Blu-ray release. I think so. Yeah. Put the others as bonus features. There are a few other really short sketches that I thought were funny that I didn't expect at all, that I'd yeah. forgotten about. There was Big Plastic Bubble, yeah. where it's just an infomercial of Eddie talking to the camera, like, how good would it be if you lived in a big plastic bubble? Then he tears that idea down because it is absurd. <laughs> he just points out all the absurdities of weird, like, of absurdist humor, basically, and yeah. brings it back to reality. Super funny. It's like a minute long. And the other one that I thought was totally unexpected that I didn't remember whatsoever at all was um, Black Talk. I thought you were going to say Black Talk. Yeah, that's a great one. Where it's just him talking to another black guy who's not speaking at all. It's set up like it's going to be a talk show (laughs) and it fades in with Eddie talking to this other African-American guy next to him like... Like they're about to turn to the camera and go, hey, welcome to Black Talk, and then just start doing a talk show. But they never do that. They just yeah. keep... It's, Eddie just keeps talking to the guy for like a full minute, and yeah. then it fades out. <laughs> I mean, that stuff is like... That feels so modern to me. Yeah. Like sketches like that, where there's absolutely no punchlines, just one idea that's super silly, mm. and just it's just a concept. And it's like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we just did this? And they did just do that. And that's why I was trying to get that across earlier. It doesn't feel like it would play for a live audience at all. I can't even imagine how you would react to that if you were sitting there watching that live. Because mm. it seems like a thing that would only exist as a packaged produced thing, like a digital short or yeah. something like that. Crazy, but really funny. Really, really funny. So I think, um, look, Eddie, you did have a few Murphy's flaws in this one, but yes. that's to be expected with a show that has to turn around so much content. And we love you. We forgive you. Mm -hmm. And in the morning, we're making podcasts. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on Murphy's Floors. Hey, it was my pleasure. I'm so glad to be um, your first guest on here. Yeah, I've been... uh, Much like Eddie, I often work alone, but I would be honoured if you would be my Joe Piscopo. You're always blind as a bat and I have sight. I'd love to be your two eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for coming. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, check out uh, our podcast, Mike Check. We're still going through the entire filmography of Mike Myers. We should have an episode about Shrek 3 coming up soon mm, if it's Shrek all cooking third. good. Yeah. Uh, and we might even be doing a live show for Love Guru. <sighs> that's if that's exciting. true, you probably already had an ad for it at the start of the show. 
Uh, <laughs> if not, please cut this out, Cameron. <laughs> Uh, and also, if you like what you hear on that podcast, please give us five stars on iTunes. And in your review, leave us a title of another super specific actor-based podcast, an example of which being... Murphy's Floor, for yeah. example. That would be a fun one. Just all about Eddie Murphy and finding out if he has any flaws in his career. And so far... A little bit. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you can also, I believe we can talk to you on Mike Check Pod on Twitter. Yep, and I'm at This Is Alexa, you're at I Am Cameron, Cameron James. James. Uh, I'd also like to throw in a bonus plug for another show of yours, um, which coincidentally co-hosted by me as well, yeah. the Blank Slate Movie Podcast. Yes, where we talk all about movies and cinema and films and we still try to be funny. Yeah, I'm into that show. Please talk to you mm-hmm. and me on... Twitter at blank slate car. Yeah, and check out that show also on iTunes. Yeah, and give it five stars. Alexi, is there anything else you've got coming up you'd like to plug? Um, nah. Not right. at the moment. I would love you to talk about your Melbourne Comedy Festival run, though. Thank you so much. I am about to go to Melbourne. In fact, while you're listening to this, I'm in Melbourne. Right now. Melbourne. Currently. He is in you. Melbourne, I am in you. This. <laughs> Everything about this. (laughs) I'm down for the whole month. I'm performing every night, except for Wednesday nights at 7.30 at Trades Hall. Please come and hang out and chill with me. I'll make you laugh. You can buy tickets online at Mm alist.com.au or on the door, because I don't think they'll sell out. But I would love for you to come and fill the room with your laughter. Thank you so much for listening to Murphy's Floor, which is a subset of... (laughs) Mike Jack. (laughs) Sorry to break the fourth wall. (laughs) Sorry, dudes. We did it. It's us. It's the same dudes. (laughs) Bye, babies. Bye-bye. It's Mike Jack. It's Mike Jack. The podcast that Mike buys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.